0: To God be the glory, Amen. It is so good to see everyone here this morning. Some that weren't out here last Sunday. So good. We're using our safe distance. We're wearing our masks and trying to be good. All right. We'll have a few changes this morning. Our sweet little Peter has been ill this week, and uh, Julie and little Hadley will not be here for their little song. And but Miss Kathy Hadaway has graciously accepted that challenge and uh, there will not be a dedication of the baby this Sunday because our pastor is trying to do everything he can to keep us from getting a little bug in case he might have part of Peter with him. So as soon as he completes his message this morning, he'll just slip out and we will begin our, our song sessions together. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer this morning. Father, we ask you to meet us in this place, your home. We pray, Lord, that everything that we say, everything that we do, will be to honor and to glorify you always. Be with our pastor. Give him a peace and a confidence and knowledge, knowing that he is passing your word to us. We ask these things in your precious name.
1: I'm excited to share with you about learning to live like Jesus. And I was praying about, as we kind of wrapped up uh, the last couple of series recently, how to end these last few weeks with you. And I, you know, I felt like I got one parting shot at you. You know, I've got one left. (laughs) So, um, what would I want to leave you with? What would I? And so I just kind of thought, well, what would I want? Oh, I left my notes. Let me get those. Not that I look at them a lot, but it's a safety blanket. Um, what would I want, you know, my legacy to be? Not that I get to uh, pick that at this point. Uh, what would I pray for you as I leave? And what would I hope for you as a church? And that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, for a while we've had this on our website. We've had it on a banner out there. We've talked about this before, learning to live like Jesus. But felt like I wanted to spend these last... Three weeks talking to you about this subject one more time. And learning to live like Jesus would be my hope and my prayer for you. Yes, I, I hope and wish that um, I wish you all the success in the world. And I wish you to uh, grow both in numbers and spiritually. And I want you to uh, you know uh, have a good time and enjoy each other and love on one another as you're good at doing. And to continue being generous to the mission of God and all those things. But at the end of the day, my greatest hope for you is that each of you and and that you as a community would devote yourselves to learning to live like Jesus, to really discovering what it means to follow Jesus. And that's what we're going to dive into today is the the first step of what does it mean to do this, to make this more than a slogan, uh, to make it something that is a part of your life. Have you ever looked at someone and thought, man, I wish I had their fill-in-the-blank. You know, I wish I had their abilities at basketball. I wish I could throw a football like that. You know, I wish that I had a hunting camp like that, or I wish that I could fix anything like they can fix anything. I wish that I had their job. And the funny thing about that wish is that more often than not, uh, we don't wish for the journey that got them those things. We don't wish for the habits and the practices and the disciplines that got them those things. Uh, You know, I wish that I was an awesome piano player. Um, I've learned to tinker around a little bit over the years, but, you know, I wish that I could just sit down and play anything. But I just couldn't handle practicing. (laughs) I didn't enjoy, you know, playing good King Winsless over and over again. just was not my thing. So... That's kind of how it is with everything, isn't it? Like there's things that we look at and we see someone who's really good at their job and we wish that we had their job or that we could do those things. But in reality, we have never wanted to do all the things it would take to get that job or to get that situation or to be that kind of person. The thing is about the promises of Jesus and the life of Jesus, that it's easy for us to want that and to wish for that, and to hope for that. But sometimes we uh, have cheapened our faith to think that it's something that we could just sign up, you know, sign our name on the dotted line, if you will, and we'll just have it all. And that we don't have to put in any effort, or that we don't have to practice the things that Jesus said to practice in order to experience the things that Jesus said we could experience in this life. And, but just like everything else in life, We can't hope to experience the life of Jesus if we're not willing to follow him and to adopt the practices and the habits and the lifestyle that he taught us to adopt. And so, if you find yourself today still captured by the vision that Jesus cast 2,000 years ago of a life that is characterized by love and by peace, and by joy, if you're captivated by his humility and his servant's heart, and if you find yourself wishing that you could be more like him and experience life the way he experienced life and to treat other people the way he treated other people, if you find yourself desiring to follow in his footsteps, then this message is an invitation for you to begin doing that. And I want to talk to you from the very beginning of the Gospels, where Jesus called his first followers. We're told in John chapter 1 that John the Baptist was there, I believe this is by the Jordan River, with two of his disciples. Now, did you know John the Baptist had disciples too? Before Jesus ever had disciples, John the Baptist had disciples. And that's part of what it meant for John the Baptist to pave the way for Jesus and the kingdom of God was for him to raise up and train up young men who would then many of them become Jesus followers. So here's two of them who were his disciples and when John saw Jesus passing by he said look the Lamb of God and when the two disciples heard him say this they left him and followed Jesus. Talk about humility of John to be willing to say, look, there he is. There's the guy. That's the guy you want to follow. (laughs) And to be willing to lose followers himself. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. John had that mentality. But notice what this meant. The invitation was to follow and they followed Here's another example. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And so finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. And Philip followed. We know the story of when Jesus made it to Galilee and found some fishermen there and said to them, Follow me. And they left behind their nets, right? And they followed Jesus. We know the story of when uh, he found Matthew in his tax collector's booth and said to him, Follow me. And Matthew left his occupation there and followed Jesus. To follow Jesus meant to go and see what he was doing. See where he was living. Walk in his footsteps. Go and do the things that he did. Learn from him, yes. Uh, Jesus was a teacher, and we talk about that, and that he was a rabbi. But sometimes our idea of a teacher is uh, someone who teaches a class. And we go and we sit down in class and they teach us on their subject material. And sometimes we've treated Jesus as a teacher and we come and we sit down for an hour on Sundays and we want to hear what Jesus has to say about spiritual things. But in reality, the invitation of Jesus is a different sort of invitation. He didn't invite Philip to come sit down for a class, did he? He said, come And follow me and this meant for Philip and for every other disciple of Jesus that decided to follow him that they were going to walk around and do life with Jesus this was a 24 7 class on how to do life on how to treat people yes there were times where Jesus would teach lessons but some of the most important lessons I believe that they picked up were the ones that they picked up by watching Jesus his every move How did he interact with people? How did he treat people? What were his priorities? How did he live his life? What were his habits and practices and disciplines? How did he do life? What's interesting is the call of Jesus to follow him is still the call today. Do you believe that? That Jesus is still calling people, follow me. But obviously, Jesus is not here in the flesh and you can't leave your job and go and follow him around the countryside even if you wanted to. So how does it work now? Well, Jesus told his disciples before he left how that would work. And we read about that a moment ago and here's a couple of verses of it. In John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth And you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is Jesus saying, look, there's a time coming where I won't physically be with you. But my Father will send another to you to help you. To be with you. This is Jesus saying that just as I've been with you in the flesh, I'm going to be with you in the spirit. I will still be available to you and you can still follow me and you can still walk with me and you can still learn from me. It's just going to look different. And Jesus in other places said, you know, look, this is going to be better. (laughs) Because Jesus understood that that he was just one guy and he was just in one spot and in one place in time. He couldn't be everywhere with everyone But with his spirit, he could be. And so this is Jesus promising that we can still follow him today. That we can still learn from him today. That we can still walk with him today. The first and primary goal of apprenticeship, and this is on your notes already. You don't even have to write it down. You can just circle it if you like it. The first and primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus, which if you think about it, that's really what discipleship is about, right? We're becoming apprentices to Jesus to learn His way of life from Him. Is learning to live in a constant state of awareness and connection to the Holy Spirit. Because that's Jesus. That's where He is. That's how we follow Him now. We can't follow Him around physically. And so if we're going to follow Jesus we have to come to a place where we are living in a constant state of awareness and connection to the Holy Spirit. This can feel daunting. How do you do that? Um, I liked this quote from Dallas Willard, and I actually shared it in our Wednesday night devotion, so if you saw that, this may sound familiar to you. It's going to take about three slides because it takes a minute. But soak it in today. It says, The first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. Okay. I'm going to pause there for a second before we go on. Because I love how practical this is. We've got to understand that to follow Jesus today means following the Holy Spirit. And following the Holy Spirit means learning to keep God before our minds throughout our day, to be, live with this constant awareness and connection to this Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. Boy, he puts it kindly, doesn't it? <laughs> but these are habits Not the law of gravity, okay? They're they're things that can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. And soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. And I love that quote. But it starts with this practice of directing and redirecting our minds back to God, back to an awareness of His Spirit, of His presence available to us and with us. And this habit that we have of being so constantly distracted and worried by other things and and unable to walk with Jesus through our day and, and often even being dragged into thought processes that are far in anything but of the Spirit, right? Those are habits that we have, and they take time to develop new habits, but we can develop new habits. Yes, it takes an investment of time and of purpose and intentionality and some effort, but over time, we can begin to practice this, being with Jesus, even now. We can be with Jesus. Here's the the blanks that you have on your notebook. Uh, page today on the back of your service guide. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And this doesn't happen by just trying to live like Jesus. It happens by spending time with Jesus. It happens by being mindful and connected to His Spirit, of walking through your day with His Spirit in mind. It, It means spending time Sitting down with the Lord, focusing on him for parts of your day as well as walking through your day aware of his presence. Being with Jesus is how we learn to live like Jesus. And we can't experience the life of Jesus unless we adopt his lifestyle. This is another way of saying it. The lifestyle of Jesus is the way toward experiencing the life of Jesus. In fact, the first believers, before they were called Christians, or before we were called a church, or anything like that, were called the way. The way. It's a practice. It's a lifestyle. It's something countercultural. If we think that we can just go about our days as the culture goes about their days, and that we don't need to change our lifestyle, we just need to change our belief system then we're never going to realize the life that Jesus is offering. The life that Jesus is offering is not just about what you believe about Jesus. It's about adopting His way of life that He teaches and models and that we can adopt as we walk with Him, as we are with Him. I want to point out to you, as I have before, some of the practices of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels as it describes his lifestyle and his way of doing life. You'll notice that none of them take any particular talent or ability. You didn't have to be born with a certain gift set to be able to do these things, but they do take a level of intentionality, purpose and effort and time and energy. These are some things that we see in the life of Jesus. Time spent purposefully alone with his father. Time spent praying with God. He had memorized scripture. He had stored it in his brain. But even if that feels like, you know, Pastor, maybe that does take some talent that I don't have. Just replace that word with recitation or repetition. It's this turning over and over again a passage of scripture until it gets inside you. Don't worry about the word for word stuff if that stresses you out. Just get to know it intimately. He meditated on it. We know it because his words were the words of someone who knew and thought deeply about God's words. And simplicity was a big part of his life. That was something he warned his disciples about before they signed up. I feel like we ought to still warn new Christians. This is a simpler lifestyle. I don't have a lot of things, Jesus said. He kept things simple. He didn't get... Distracted by lots of stuff to keep up with and he asked other people to leave behind their things that would occupy their time and keep them from learning And so there may be things that we need to simplify in our life To make more room for following Jesus I want to offer you today uh, Just something a practice that I've heard about lately that I think is very valuable And encompasses a lot of these things and other things that Jesus Seems to have made a part of his lifestyle. Uh, The fancy word for it is Lectio Divina. Uh, But this is a Latin term for uh, a way of reading scripture. Of engaging with scripture. Of letting it lecture your heart, in a sense. So, I wrote out some steps here. And if this is interesting to you, you can... Uh, You know, take a picture of the slide up there or you can write this down in the space provided on your notes. If you would like to try this step one through five, I'm also going to share with you some suggested passages of scripture that you might want to try this with as a starting place. I think this um, helps a lot because sometimes we talk about reading your Bible But we're not quite sure how to do that in a way that really uh, is transformative in our life and in our faith. And so sometimes we just, in our culture, we kind of read for uh, content, for quantity of content. We read a lot of books. We try to just take it all in. And so when we read scripture, sometimes we read thinking, you know, look, I just need to read as much of the Bible as I can. So I'm going to, and there's a place for trying to read you know, through the whole Bible so you get a sense of the scope of it. But as far as, uh, you know, ingesting Scripture, internalizing Scripture, this is a great practice. So you read a passage slowly and carefully, maybe even more than once. You really want to just take a a size of a passage that that you can really spend some time with, and you want to read it slowly and carefully. And then you want to, step two, think deeply about it. Just take some time to really think about, what is this saying? What does this mean? What does this mean for me in my life? Uh, step three takes that a step further and turns it into a conversation with God. You might just pray about it. Uh, I've heard lots of people lately talking about uh, journaling. That's something that I've done hit or miss, you know, through my... Uh, through my life, but I've always found it a good practice. I don't know why I haven't made it more of a habit, and so that's something I'm looking forward to working on in my own life, of incorporating that as more of a practice, but a way of writing my thoughts with God, to God, even. Praying on paper. (laughs) Uh, Journaling through reflecting with God about this passage that you've been looking at and thinking about and then it ends with just this time of rest in God's presence being still with God's presence letting that all soak in and then you know i put down step 5 of we don't leave it there we go and try to put our faith into practice try to put whatever this is we try to work it out in our life being mindful that the spirit goes with us and that we're being led by the spirit we're being led by God's word and God's truth. We are being led by his spirit. And not by the spirit of this world or the spirit of darkness, but the spirit of light and of truth. Right? If we're if we're following after Jesus, we know that we're being led by the right spirit. So, you know, there's ways you could do this. You could just, you know, open your Bible and point at a passage and go. But there are some passages of scripture that have been recognized for Years and years as uh, special in some ways that are uniquely uh, rich for you know, a starting place to really dwell on the truths of God. And so here's some of them, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, the Ten Commandments are still worth thinking about. You could even take one commandment at a time, couldn't you? And just slowly read, about, read it and think through it, meditate on it. Pray through it with God or journal it through it with God and rest in that for a minute and, and then go and try to put it into practice in a fresh way in your life. You, you could do that with every single one of them. So there's, you know, 10 days for you right there. Or maybe you want to spend a week with each one. That'd be 10 weeks for you of daily looking at it, thinking about it. Don't get in a hurry with this. This isn't a, this isn't a race. Okay. This isn't like, okay, let me see if I can check all these passages off this week. We're trying to be with Jesus. It's a little more relaxed. (laughs) It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So Psalm 23. You know it. You love it. You hear it all the time. What if you spent some rich time with it, figuring out what it means for God to be your shepherd? 1 Corinthians 13, a chapter about love. It's read at a lot of weddings, right? What if you spent some time there? Because the way of Jesus, if you had to pick one word to characterize it, wouldn't you pick love? Philippians 2, that talks about the, the humility of Christ. Or Colossians 3, that Several of us memorized not that long ago, but such a rich passage that talks about, you know, putting off the old and putting on the new and, and turning our minds toward Jesus and having our minds renewed with the knowledge of Christ. And just a rich thing to think through and, and meditate on. So these are all suggestions for you, ways that you can practice this process of spending time with Jesus. But this is just one thing. And even that list that I put up earlier of some of the examples of the lifestyle of Jesus and the practices of Jesus, these are just examples. Uh, We live in a unique time where, uh, you know, now we have all these screens and things and we have to figure out how to make them work for us and not against us in this. We have to figure out how to set healthy boundaries around our screens and our devices and all the other things that vie for our time and attention in our world. There's new habits that you need to develop that Jesus didn't have to develop because he didn't have a phone. <laughs> All right, there's, but as you follow him and as you're with him and as you're led by his spirit, you will find ways to carve out space for him and to, and to live your life in some different countercultural ways. And as you begin to follow Jesus in this way, I think you'll really discover that you can experience the life of Jesus. Increasingly. But it all starts with this, being with Jesus. Not everyone whom Jesus invited to follow him took him up on that offer. Not even all of the ones who really, really wanted to. Uh, last week in our circles we talked about a young man who came to Jesus and Jesus gave him the same invitation that he gave to Philip. The same invitation that uh, John the Baptist gave to his two disciples of, hey, go follow him, you know. Uh, the same invitation that was given to Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John at their boats. The same invitation given to Matthew who also had a lucrative career. They all walked away and made time and put forth the intentionality and the effort and the commitment to following Jesus. But there was a young man who couldn't step away. He was too busy. He had too many things about his life that he enjoyed He couldn't quite bring himself to give that up. I fear that many of us, myself included, have embraced a cheap faith that says, Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus and and I'd be glad to give him my Sundays when I'm in town. But will we ever experience the life of Jesus if we're not willing to commit a sizable chunk of our time to being with Jesus, of walking through life with His Spirit, of learning how to keep Him on our mind, of of sitting down and, and spending purposeful time in prayer and meditation on His Word? If we don't do that, if we're not willing to make the time To take the time. Because we can't make time, can we? (laughs) But we can take as much time as we want for whatever we want. Will we walk away from things that steal our time and our energy away from Jesus? I'm not saying, obviously there's a, a, a tension to balance here. We're told to be in the world but not of the world. We have to work that out in our life. We can't just escape to a mountainside and live in a cave and be with Jesus all day long. Because then, great, you're with Jesus, but you're not with anyone else to share the life of Jesus with them, right? So there's this balance that we have to figure out with this. But my concern is that my life and your life is not balanced. There are too many things that steal our attention away from Jesus. I love sports. I don't know that I'll ever be able to sign my kids up for it. I'm not throwing any stones at anyone who does. I'm just saying it steals more and more of your time every single year because they keep on adding to the schedule. And when are you going to say Jesus is more important than sports? I'm not going to just pick on sports, all right? We spend a lot of time in front of screens, whether it's phones or TV shows or whatever it is. How much of our time and attention are we willing to give to that that could be given to spending time with Jesus? None of these things by themselves is the problem, but our life gets so filled to the brim that where is Jesus supposed to fit in? Where are our opportunities for redirecting our attention to him or spending quality time with him? And do we really think that we're following Jesus if we haven't carved out the time to be with Jesus? This is my challenge to you today, and it didn't mean for it to be so heavy, so sorry. (laughs) But I'm also not sorry. Our habits, our lives, our our choices with our time and energy have to be, every now and then we have to take inventory of that, right? And say, where am I making time for Jesus? If I'm really going to say that I'm a disciple of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, if, if this is true, that the first and primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness and connection to the Spirit, you know, if these things are true, that if I want to experience the life of Jesus, then I have to adopt his lifestyle, I have to learn to live Jesus' way, that this is something that I'm going to, like everything else I want to learn about in life, I will have to devote energy and attention and purposefulness and intentionality to it, then where am I going to do that? Does Jesus, does following Jesus, does this promise, is the hope that he offers, is is this life that he offers, is it richer than what sports can offer or what a show can offer? Is it richer than what your career can offer or what college can offer? Is it richer than what your social life can offer or your recreation or your hobby or your favorite thing to do that really, you know, you say it gives you life, but does it give life as good as Jesus gives it? This isn't about stopping to do everything and living in a cave in a mountain, but it is about figuring out how am I going to build this into my life? And maybe for you this week, it just starts with, you know what? Every day I ought to be able to fit in enough time to do steps one through five. Every morning, before I leave home or when I sit down at my desk at work or every morning, I ought to be able to spend a few minutes looking at a passage of scripture, meditating on it, praying through it. Resting for a moment in God's Word before the hecticness of the day rushes in at me. Maybe this is a starting place for you. Can you carve out that much time out of your schedule? Uh, maybe for you it's, you know, turning off your phone, literally turning it off for an hour a day. For a while you're probably going to have some twitches that develop. and <laughs> But over time it will give you space (laughs) to spend with Jesus? Is it, you know, maybe just one less show a night? I don't know what it is for you. Uh, Maybe it's one less sport a year. Maybe we'll do fall ball, but we won't do spring ball. I don't know what it is for you. But weigh and balance your priorities of how am I going to, what am I going to do to carve out the time to be a serious follower and apprentice of Jesus because I want that life that he offers. I hope that you do. It's my prayer that you do. It's my prayer that we'll learn to live like Jesus. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about um, how we become like Jesus, how we begin to do the things that Jesus would do if he were us. But that wraps up today. I just want to challenge you to be with Jesus. Figure out what you need to do to spend more time with him. So I'm going to close this with prayer and like Pat said, I'll slip out after that and, uh, and then they're going to lead you in some songs to conclude today's service. Father, Father, what a gift your Holy Spirit is. We don't have to leave our jobs. We don't have to leave our homes. We don't have to leave our families. Your Spirit is available to us. We don't have to travel around the countryside. You are with us. How blessed we are. So forgive us for ignoring your Spirit's presence for failing to carve out time for the most important person in our life, for the most important thing that we could ever pursue. All the things this world promises us can't hold a candle to the life you offer us. So help us, Holy Spirit, to live with a constant awareness and connection with you. Teach us new habits to replace old ones. And give us the courage to step out in countercultural ways and carve out time to be with Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.